Hello and welcome to Conscious Growth. This is a podcast and also a YouTube channel where Janine and I will discuss topics that influence our impact and well-being in a changing environment. We're going to run six sessions where we will share with you our insights gained over our 30 plus years each in business, developing individuals, managers and teams. My name is Tom Smith. I am a learning and development consultant and I specialize in designing and delivering people development workshops for companies across the globe. And I'm Janine Bonetta. Welcome everybody. I'm an executive business performance coach and I run my practice High Noon Coaching and I've been doing it since 2010. I've worked with a number of individuals across all walks of life, across a number of different levels, different types of businesses uh, and across continents. And, and I'm delighted to be doing this with Tom and, and I'm super excited to get going. Thanks so much for joining us. Okay, so this is brilliant. We're here to do six podcasts, Tom. And so you and I have agreed the first one's going to be all about change, change in business, et cetera, et cetera. Why don't you kick this one off? Yeah, let's talk about the impact of change because obviously with the pandemic that's going on across the globe, it's, it's impacting mainly everybody in many different ways. Like for mm -hmm. some, their technical ability has been challenged because now before maybe their strongest point of influence was um, verbal communication in face-to-face. -face. Now they're having to work with technology to really get things done. For mm. some people, it's about they're going through a, an organizational change and mm. because of what's happening with the pandemic. And so therefore, they're now having to build up new relationships and getting work done in different ways through mm. the technology. For some, mm. they've actually joined a new company in the COVID. So they actually haven't got a chance to get into the premises where mm. they they can get a sense of the culture and a sense of how things get done within there. So change is, is, is impacting everybody at so many different levels. Some people are benefiting from mm. the way things are working at the moment because they're in great demand. But for, I think, most people, they are working remotely and therefore we're finding now that people are getting a bit more engaged to getting less motivational and mm -hmm. so it'd be really useful for for us to have i think a conversation now about mm -hmm. you know what is it that why is it that change is impacting us in the way that it is so let's also talk about emotions i think it's it's interesting i mean you and i have both felt the impact of, of covid um and we've both found it quite challenging actually because our worlds have changed exponentially and uh, you know i think people out there everybody has experienced change in a different way and as you rightly say some actually have found it quite easy and other people um, haven't found it easy at all people who are more introvert generally have found it easier um, and people who have a more uh, extrovert outlook have found it challenging because they so miss out on those water cooler conversations and sitting on people's desks and getting the energy from people. So the whole way they get their energy has changed. So when we think about change, why do you think it is so difficult for people to experience change? What's the resistance in humans around change? So here's what we know from the brain science. Like the last 30 to 40 years, there's been great breakthroughs with the technology to be able to map out what happens in their brain when things happen. Mm -hmm. And it's as basic as change brings unknown. It basically brings a, I don't know what's going to happen next. And our brains are very primitive. So if you think about um, our, our oldest part of the brain is the reptilian part of the brain. And its number one focus is survival. 
like our prefrontal cortex, the front part of the brain that we use, is primarily used for building relationships, having empathy, understanding, uh, problem solving, and reasoning. Whereas our our primitive brain, our reptilian brain, is designed purely for fight or flight or freeze. And so when change occurs, and it can be due to the pandemic, but it can also be due to our environment or our circumstances, where our initial reaction is something's not right. And that's what we call the amygdala hijack. It's where this part of the brain really diverts all that energy that you need to think and have good relationships and problem solve. It diverts that energy into you either fighting fight flight or freeze which is great for survival but it's not great for relationship building Mm -hmm. and so emotions play a massive part in our ability to really get through the unknownness of our situation or our environment so i think the first thing that we we've realized is that change brings this it triggers our brain to go Mm -hmm. fight or flight which is useless in relationship building and doing work and that's something that we realize today. This is something we can actually manage now as opposed to we have no control over. Mm. Why do you think it is that, um, I mean, wouldn't it be great if uh, some of us love change um, and embrace it? Well, in fact, some people do. Why do you think that is that some people love and embrace it, whereas others don't? There's a couple of factors. There's our personality types. There mm. is our, our how we used to or how are we used to change? Like for mm. some people, they've built up a resistance to mm. this being in the state of unknown. There, The more time you spend in that, the more you become resilient, you bounce out of it. For some people, mm. they're not as adaptable because they haven't had exposure to this amount of change. So mm. personality types you mentioned before, um, there are people who are, have a preference for introversion, which is I like working on my own. I like getting my energy from myself. The extroversion people are they like to get their energy from other people. And so mm-hmm. when we say right, everybody works from home, mm-hmm. naturally the introverted preference people, they will embrace that more than the people who have a preference for extroversion. It's just one of those things where it's our personality that actually has a big influence. So I think there's two things. There's our personality, but also our our endurance to how have we put ourselves in previous positions where we put ourselves in challenging positions. Like when we think about growth, there is a sense of uncomfortableness about it. And it's necessary because we're growing. And for Mm -hmm. some of us, we we like just to play it safe. We don't like to challenge ourselves that much. And Mm -hmm. therefore, when a change event occurs... That's where whatever you've stored in your bank account from a change resilience point of view, that's what you tap into. And so I guess um, people can get better at managing change, right? Um, Because they become more resilient um, at managing change. Um, I know that there's a natural curve that people go through, the change curve. And I think that that now might be a good time to to talk about the change curve. Um, I think that for, for listeners here, um, to have an understanding of the different processes that we go through emotionally, the different um, um, milestones, I suppose, we go through emotionally. It's important to know that actually there is always light at the end of the tunnel. But when we're in it, we can't necessarily see that because, you know, the, the shock element initially is, is well, as you rightly say, it's a bit like fight or flight. It's that shock piece that sits with you. And sometimes it, that, that, that pool feels very deep. Um, and then, of course, there's the denial piece um, that we, we some of us do and don't go through that. I mean, you know, the, the change curve is not 
not everybody is going to go through it in the same way across the same timeline, but invariably they will probably experience most of these emotions. And, you know, after the denial, there's the bargaining piece is the, the, to trying to negotiate. Why is this happening? What, what, you know, why is this happening to me? And then often people fall into a, a slump, a depressive place or an, a place of real down, you know, and, and that's a really low point. And sometimes this can go on for, for quite some time. And when you're in work, it, when, if you're going through this and you're feeling desperate about things, this has a huge bearing on your work. Um, and then, of course, over time, once we have some time to think about things and we are able to talk things through with people, um, actually, things start to look a bit more rosy and we develop a little bit more optimism and we can accept things a little bit more. And in time again, we have, you know, where we can then start problem solving because our thinking brain has overtaken that amygdala hijack, which is what happens at the beginning. And so most people have this. Is that is that right, Tom? Is, is that how you explain it? I think it'd be useful to actually give some examples around some some clients or some companies where we've worked with change and to just show what does that look like in the work environment. So, you know, like I think we've all gone through, if you've worked for a company in, in, in the last couple of years, there's been accelerated change um, mm. been been going on between the technology change. Sometimes change happens within. So we ourselves decide I'm going to make a change. And so we're, we we can get comfortable once we feel we're in control of change. But mm. what I typically find is where change is trusted upon us. So it's either done from external forces, yeah. as in markets yeah. have changed, climate has changed, mm. um, the pandemic, things like that. And then there's sometimes there's internal change, which is the company has decided to do a reorg. So mm. one of the things I've seen where um, I remember working with a group or a team of people where we were looking to do a reorg and they were going to do different roles. So mm. the roles were changing. So the mm. skills that they had were very still essential to the business, but the job title was changing. And mm. it was incredible to see the shock and disbelief about this shouldn't happen. We shouldn't have to do this. And it like once you understand these things, you can acknowledge and appreciate okay, I know what we're going through. And what I found, one of the best ways of helping people through this was we talked about it. Like we mm -hmm. actually talked about, like, how are you feeling? And it's, it's a strange thing to talk about in the workplace about how you're feeling. But when we actually got people to express themselves, like I'm in shock, I'm annoyed, I'm frustrated, all those high intensity emotions that mm -hmm. naturally the brain get you to have because it doesn't know what's going to happen next and so mm. one of the things i found really beneficial was explaining to people here's what you're going to go through so you give mm. them a sense of predictability about how this roller coaster ride that's going through and by the way it's not linear so it's no. not like once you've gone past the shock and you're in denial and then you're in the 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 slightly depressed stage it's like i'm done no sometimes you you slip back and we all know yeah <laughs> Absolutely. There are surprises that we pop up, but I thought the interesting piece as a consultant that I found mm. really helpful is just getting people to talk about, you know, mm. labeling how are they feeling. That for me was a quick win and it's something that I consciously think about when I work with teams who are particularly, particularly going through a tough change where they don't know what the final outcome is going to work. Mm. They know what the structure is. They know what the, the, the purpose of the change is. They, mm. they, they know that if we don't change um, it's going to cause us more problems. But the fact that they're still feeling these emotions, which are really powerful, unless we, we get ahead of these emotions, they're going to hold us back in, in accelerating through this change.
I think the first thing, as you say, is to actually figure out what am I actually feeling? Mm. What am I actually feeling? Um, and what are the reasons I think I'm feeling this way? And and you know what? Write it down. Because quite often, if people are able to just write it down, it gets it out, gets it out. And and I, w- I would also say, you know, find a buddy. Talk to somebody about this. Um, a lot of people in business find it hard uh, to talk about stuff, emotional stuff, because they think it, it demonstrates element of weakness. And, and uh, you know, I think that uh, it's really, really important to to try and get it out, as you say. It's really important. Yeah, there's a lot of stereotypes that we've picked mm-hmm. up through history where if you we, we are, we've been almost trained by media and our society to put your best self forward, to look strong, positive, know what you're doing. Work is complicated now. There's a lot of different things in the mix. There's a lot of cross-functional work uh, relationships that we have to establish. The, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the technology we use is very complicated mm-hmm. in how we, we, we get things done. And so I think it's we're evolving as a, as a, as a culture and as, as, as in companies I see that have really you know, got ahead of the curve is where mm-hmm. they, they, they talk about bringing their authentic self. And that means bringing some of your vulnerabilities to work. It's not just about coming in and someone saying, how are you? And you have an, an auto response, which is, I'm fine. Let's get mm-hmm. in. But inside, you're not mm-hmm. right because maybe there's stuff going on at home or maybe there's stuff going on in work. So when mm-hmm. we talk about being our authentic self, it really is about bringing, you know, both the positive, but also here, look, I'm worried about this. It doesn't mean that I'm out of control. It just means I'm sharing with you how I feel because that in itself is really helping me process mm. this in a way that I can mm. then move forward um, and help myself and also help the teams around me. I think it's really important for the managers or team leads of the individuals impacted, even if they're impacted themselves. I think it's terribly important, as you mentioned earlier, try and be clear around what you think is happening to the team members and and really put yourself out there as somebody to, to come, invite them to come and talk to you. Make it easy for people to talk to you because change is challenging. You will have a lot of people who will struggle to talk. And so from a management perspective, I think it's important to, to try and invite people in um, to talk. Let's talk about that because I think it's interesting in the environment we're in where most people are doing their communication through video conferencing. So mm. if we have people managers who are have direct reports working for them and let's just say they're new to the role or they're new to the environment, all right, mm. how would you first of all recognize that this person is not 100% comfortable or confident in their mm. work? Like what are some of the telltale signs that you've, you've coached people through to recognize mm. for such that they can then say, hang on, I need to... What, create this what we call psychological safety where I can get them to talk so what are some of the things that one we can recognize first of all that they're doing that says actually you know what I need to support this person more Hmm. I think it obviously depends on the role they're recruited in to do Um, I think um, people can be quiet or people can be shy but within your role if there's an abdication of contribution to meetings for example Um, or if there is a reluctance to come forward to bring some of the challenges and put them on the table to you in a one-to-one capacity or in a group capacity. When you feel that someone is overly quiet or overly insular, I think that's really important. Notice their non-verbal behaviors as well as the verbal behavior. Notice, are they 
Um, do they have colleagues um, who they can bounce stuff off? Are they very insular? Um, you know, what's going on at home? Actually, sometimes stuff going on at home can be an indicator as well for, for some of the reasons why they may not be forthcoming in work. And, you know, it's not that you need to know what's going on, everything at home, but having an indication if they're going through a breakup or if they're going through having family trauma, someone's passed away, that's going to have some kind of an impact probably to their work. Um, but also if they're drowning in their work, you know, you're going to pick up on those nonverbals. Mm. Uh, and you know what, if you don't pick up on those nonverbals and you're finding that difficult, I think it's really important to, to, to go the extra mile, actually. Put yourself out there, have those conversations. That's really, really important. Engineer the conversations, have those one-on-ones. Bring some of your own stuff to the table to give that person permission, I suppose, if you will, um, to talk about themselves and find the hooks that bring them out. It's really important. Um, you know, certainly as, as a coach, people often say to me, how is it that you can just um, invite people into your office and you actually get going quite quickly? And it's because I, I make them feel relaxed. I make them feel relaxed. I'm very quick to pick up what's going on with this person. How comfortable do they look? Um, and I will use a number of different techniques to help them feel comfortable, to loosen them up. And mostly, I bring part of myself, actually. And whether it's talking about my dogs, whether or not it's talking, because my dogs are often in my, actually in my um, office here with me when I'm seeing people. In fact, they're down there right now. Um, one was having a dream just a minute ago and I don't know if you can hear that. Um, and, uh, or it's making the coffee, you know, it's, it's, it's having the chit chat, um, but it's, it's bringing parts of me to the conversation to enable people to feel a little bit more relaxed because I need people to open up from the get go. Mm. And so as a new manager, you need people to talk to you about how they're feeling um, in this moment of change, whatever that change may be. And it must feel strange. Like it's, I, I get that when you're in the room, like it's easy if you're in a, a large organization where you have kitchens where you can go to and let's go for, let's say, a water or a coffee. Um, I can imagine it must be 10 times as challenging where it's just video where I can't give you anything. And it, I think one thing to appreciate is that sometimes these conversations will be longer than you expect. Mm -hmm. They're mm -hmm. not going to be, it's not a task. The moment people senses it, senses it as a task in your to-do mm -hmm. list, as in, I need to ask how you are, how's <laughs> dogs and cats? And so They're like, you know what, let's just get into the actions. And if you don't care about me, that's fine. I think it really is important to appreciate that. More time now, I think, is allocated towards the emotional side of work and yeah. not just the transactional side. I think that's the yeah. piece. I love the thought, uh, I love the idea that you raise around I have techniques. And mm -hmm. one of the questions I get, I'd love to know your thoughts on this, is that mm -hmm. when people say, yeah, but Tom, when I'm learning these techniques, am I not just manipulating people? Okay, well, they're in, in your very question, but when I'm doing this, am I not manipulating people? You think you're manipulating people because of the way you've said it. Uh, and And so, so that's a loaded question. And I'm saying that as well because I know how deliberate that was. <laughs> no, I think if you're coming from an authentic place, um, you have to be, if, if you're not coming from an authentic place, someone's going to know. So, you know, who are you trying to kid? Because you're kidding yourself, actually. Be true to yourself. If you can't be true to yourself, you're not going to be able to be true to others. If you're not interested in somebody else and their well-being, they're going to pick it up. 
Sorry, but I, I believe that to be the case. And I do therefore believe that that's a little bit of a manipulative uh, conversation. You know, you need to want your team to do well. Your team are the ones who are going to make you look amazing. And, you know, what are the things that they need to actually to unlock their true potential? Most people need stroking, and I use that in a psychological term. They need to be to be helped a little bit and that their greatness needs to be acknowledged. You know, they, they need to feel the recognition. Um, and, you know, we know statistically it's proven people will do better from, from a, an emotional perspective. People perform much more highly when they have uh, a boss who has high emotional intelligence. Now, what that means is that when the boss is tuned in, you know, you never think of a great boss as somebody who's fantastic at doing spreadsheets or somebody who is just who is a good presenter. A great boss is somebody who makes you feel heard. They make you feel supported. They make you feel amazing, actually. And so, actually, if you're coming to the table and you're not being authentic, the person who reports you, they're going to know. So you need to take a good hard look at yourself. Sorry, I don't know if that's the direction we went to go there. But that's... No, I think that's, I, you know what, I, I think that is perfect because one of the things mm. I came across around this, I was asked that question many years ago and I, it, it really stuck at me for a while around mm. it, the techniques we were talking about is how do you persuade people to mm. move into, or to, to get them to make a decision. And really mm. what we landed on was these techniques work both in persuasion and manipulation. And what mm. you said is the key difference is what's your intention. If your intention mm. is to coerce the person without them buying into it, then you are manipulating them. If you're yeah. trying to help them be the best that they can be, then it is influence. Because when we come across new techniques like the ones we're talking about, you do have mm. to try them. Like you just don't expect to take them up and be perfect at them. So if you're not the type of person who normally has a conversation about, hey, how are things at home? And it can be like, how's the broadband? Um, what's it like in your office? Like, um, you know, for some people, they don't have a lot of space. They don't have super broadband. They don't have a lot of different things that we take for granted that we have in the workplace. And it can be simple as like, how are you managing at home? Like, are you okay? Do you want and, and you know what, like you say, if somebody's caught in a little box and, and, you know, expose your own green screen or take it down rather and show them what a little box that you have behind you. You know, I, I think it's show the human side. VC work is tough. I mean, I've worked with lots of um, individuals throughout COVID who found this new VC meeting arena to be quite challenging. And, you know, I, <laughs> some of the most senior individuals are actually operating out of the spare bedroom. And, uh, you know, that's a hard place to get your head into a zone. Um, so everybody is finding it challenging. Uh, however, what they find challenging may, uh, everybody is different. It'll be different. Um, so, you know, um, yeah, it's interesting. That's great if you're in a great place and you feel safe yourself so you can go and help other people or you can go and support other people. What about if you're not in a great place? What are some of the things that we can do for ourselves to get ourselves in a good place first? Because it's it's like the old cliche of the airplane, like you, the first oxygen mask you put on is your own first before you put it on to your, the, the child beside you. So... What are some of the things that if somebody feels demotivated or disengaged because they feel like a sense of isolation or 
overwhelmed mm-hmm. because change has this impact on people where when we talk about things that are unknown, it can be overwhelming when you start to let your mind wander and start to worry about things that it doesn't necessarily need to worry about, but it just does. So let's talk about some of those things. There's a model that I have used with uh, um, some individuals, which is the GEM model. And it, it's that's all about uh, the first is journaling. It's a gratitude. So the, the G from GEM is actually gratitude. Um Think about all of the things you're really grateful for. Think about all of the things you're super proud of, of yourself. Think about the happy things, that the things that make you happy, and write them down. Write them down. And then think about uh, the E is for energy. So when you're feeling low, we need to uh, do exercise. So it's really important to not be sitting at your desk for 10 hours a day. It's really, really important to factor in some exercise, whether it's a walk, whether it's a run, whether it is actually a Joe Wicks something, um, Mm. to try and get energized, to bring the energy into your life. Start early in the morning, at lunchtime, um, in the evening. You know, find some breaks. It's really important to take the breaks, even if it's a 10 minute walk, have some of your meetings walking, you know, that that's really possible to do. I know a lot of people who do that. So the E is for energy. And just, the M- just on that, sorry, um, when I've spoken to a few friends of mine who are working from home rather than in the office, what they've been all saying is that they, they feel like I'm working longer. Like I'm actually yeah. sitting longer and um, yeah. I'm bringing my food back. Like all the things we, we, we teach people in the workplace, like mm-hmm. don't be eating at your desk, get up and walk yeah. around, you know, yeah. every, every 60 to, or every 30 to 40 minutes, you know, th- this is for the optimum for your body to function. Mm-hmm. Um, all those things now have been completely thrown out now that people are working remotely. And what they're saying is I'm working longer hours. Mm-hmm. I'm finding it hard to separate what's work and what's home. Um, I'm trying to mix both and things are expanding. This gets even amplified more if people have cross-functional roles where you're working in different time zones. Mm. So mm. so a couple of things there I'd like to talk to you about. That, that mm. journaling, um, when should you do that? Like when's the best time to do that? A lot of people like to do it first thing because they're most fresh. Some people prefer to do it last thing at night. Um, having said that, there is no one rule that fits all. I suppose you could also do it across the day. Ah, I remember this I'm very grateful for because you know what? The thing is, um, I always say to people um, to to keep a journal. What I mostly do actually within the business context is I ask people to sit and think about on a Friday, sit and think about all the great things that you have achieved on the Friday and think about all of the things you're really proud of, the, the, the meetings that you had that were really successful, usually it's pinned to a focus area that they have and then I say don't read that again put it down and the following Friday go through exactly the same exercise think about all the things you did that week what were you proud of Um, what did you do really well what meetings went particularly well and why did they go well and do that for four weeks and then on the fourth week take a look back at that month and reread all the marvelous things you've done in that month And that will just remind you to why you're doing what you're doing. And it's a really, really nice uplifting 
uh, exercise to do in, in across a month. So that's slightly different to daily journaling. Daily journaling is something I would recommend to people who are quite low. Um, and I think depending on when they get most of their energy would be dependent on when the right time for them is to do that journaling. There's a couple of things that I'm, that's coming to me as you say that. Um, I think the journaling, because I thought, okay, it's only when I'm down do I need a journal. But actually, when we think about getting things done and being very uh, effective with task lists, one of mm-hmm. the reasons why task lists, uh, people like them, is because it gives them space in the brain. You're not carrying it around with you. And so just by getting those down into a document, either electronic or or written, which whichever you prefer, creates a bit of space in the mind. Um, so I love that idea around how do you create space because the the – a lot of those things are psychologically helping you get back in control. That's yes. what it sounds like. It's about allowing your allowing your brain to park things so yeah. you can get perspective. And yeah. I think that's that's quite powerful. Um, mm. It also brings in this piece about we talk about this uncertainty. Like when mm. you start journaling things, you can start to write down things like what do you know about the change? Mm. And what do you not know? So you can start to say, well, is everything changing uh, or are there only a few things changing? And mm. it then gives you you the chance to go and find out how do we get mm. answers to some of these questions. Mm. So I and, think and it, to be aware of what are the things that have not changed. Write those down. What hasn't changed? Yeah. What are the what are the stable things that are in my life that haven't changed? The M is for meditate meditation you can get loads and loads of meditative um if that's a word calm is a wonderful app to be that you can download it's got some amazing meditation sessions in there meditation will give you your energy back it will bring a sense of calm um i think and you know one of the things that we um perhaps don't think about so much but when we think about nlp we have is is be aware of your breathing and, and and meditation really, really helps with breathing, getting your breath back, becoming very conscious of, of your breathing and calming and bringing you to a state of calm. Any last words on what you would like to say to help people or encourage them to to manage better during this change because for some of us you know we're all in different places some will be quite low some will be like it's uncomfortable it really is uncomfortable um mm. some of your best advice tips that you've worked with clients on that you can share just before we wrap up i think one of the things i would also say in these days of covid it's really really important to finish your day So because you're at your desk, probably in the spare room or in the dining room, to actually make an active uh, and conscious decision to close your day. Um, It's too easy to keep the day going 10, 12, 14 hours, whatever, um, and to keep coming back to it. It's really important to draw that line in the sand, I think, um, to, to help us start the new day with a fresh perspective and a fresh pair of eyes. A lot of people, when they go walking, they listen to the radio or they listen to music. Um, And everybody is different. Some of us are uh, stimulated visually. Some of us, you know, what we hear. um, and, And we all have different ways of taking in information. For me, like you, I walk my dogs without listening to anything actually. And that's how I self-meditate or I self-decompress. That's, that's what I do because I don't listen. And that's why I don't have ear pods in now. So I can't manage them. 
<laughs> and I'm the opposite. Like when I go walking with my dogs, I listen to an audiobook because it helps you to focus and just be in listening to the voice. So I think that just shows we're all different. I think that's that's powerful. Mm. All right, look, let's wrap up. Um, this is our first session, so there's obviously going to be a few um, glitches along the way that we're going to make, but I th hope everyone found this really valuable. Um, we are going to also make a audio session with this, so for those of you who are listening, um, please, please let us know on the comments, on, on the YouTube or on LinkedIn. I think we're going to put this up on as well. Let us know our, what specific topics you would like us to talk about because the next future sessions, we're going to talk about many different things like how do you build resilience? Let's talk about how do you give feedback how do you um, have career conversations and uh, mm. how do you manage your energy so there's a lot of different topics we're going to talk about over the next or five mm. sessions now but we'd love to hear from those of you out there who like have something that you would love us to talk about because you know we're consultants and coaches so we love hearing what is it that you would like us to to share with you okay so thank you, much. Thank you all and we'll see you in episode two Absolutely. Thanks a million. Right. Thanks. Bye. Bye.